Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Christy here from CS2. And today we have our guest, Asia Corbett. Uh, this is a follow-up episode to when she was first on the podcast talking about data governance. And it was so good that we got to the end and we just wanted to keep going, wanted to hear more, <laughs> especially around how to operationalize this, and specifically like what tools and um, how Asia's done it in the past. And as a reminder, Asia uh, is the head of revenue and community operations at Rev Genius, um, but also has a background working at fast-growing uh, startups in revenue operations. Uh, so she brings a wealth of knowledge. So welcome back, Asia. Hi, glad to be back. Nice to nice to see you again. Happy to be yeah. here. Definitely. Um, okay, so. And Asia's actually, you know, blessed us uh, with her time, even though she's going through a crazy, crazy few weeks <laughs> of buying a new house and, oh my and all that. So um, extra thank you for spending your time with us this, this week. Of so. course, I have to give back to the community, right? And um, <laughs> I just said the other day, if there is one industry that could use revenue operations, it is the mortgage industry because... Oh my gosh, yeah. There's a lot of inefficiencies there. I will just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Actually, that's something that I think about too. Like we're going through that process right now, as I told Asia, and it's almost like you have to, we even have to like with our process, even start like two loan processes. Cause if this one doesn't work out, then yep. we'll use this. And that's what and we're doing too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're doing also. <laughs> Yeah, so it is a bit crazy. Um, but anyway, we'll get back to um, the subject. So just as a reminder for everyone, you know, when we talk about data and it's something that all operations people struggle with or that, you know, it's as we move everything into like this digital world, like data and the data governance um, has a huge impact on how we market and sell to our prospects, but also their overall experience. But um, from your perspective, like what a, what's what are the what's the importance? Like why should operations people like care and really make the case to start building out a framework? Yeah. So data governance and how I think about it, and as it pertains to operations, is really maintaining the integrity and being a good steward of the data in your organization and especially around go-to-market data. Uh, because I think data governance frameworks have existed for like historically for IT departments and engineers, right? But now in this day and age, revenue operations mark and marketing operations and sales operations and CS operations have to manage all of these systems that feed all of this data everywhere to support their teams, to enable their teams. So having a good framework to manage the database health and the integrity of the data and have standardization helps you scale. Definitely. Yeah. One of the things too that has come up recently is also this, there's like needing that artifact or, or having some type of like way to define and having like clear definitions of your data. So how, how important is that as well? And how, like, 
what does that do when like these different teams are, you know, working with a set of data to really clearly define those? Yeah, it's really important for people to be on the same page about definitions of your data, because I'll give a very, like, very simple example. And one that I've encountered before in my career is that two different teams, a finance team and a marketing team are using different definitions of an SQO sales qualified opportunity Um, and finance reports that number to the board and it has to be tied to the board plan if the two teams are not on the same page and they're using different definitions of this same metric and they're coming to me and saying asia this report is wrong why is this report wrong i'm like okay not only does it impact what you're telling the board which could have serious implications yeah um, but then it takes your operations professional time to go and like look at the reports and you're like oh my gosh something's broken what's broken in the system and then you get on the call with your go-to-market leaders and you're like hey you guys know that you're using the same report with different definitions and then there's more time so not only does it have you know financial implications because if you're reporting something different to the board and the marketing is like i've i'm hitting my plan and finance is like well no you're not um there's that and then there's the internal um like okay i thought we were speaking the same language thought we were reporting on the same thing now it's taking like two hours worth of time to say okay here is the definition here's why it should be this definition um so as a revenue operations person or an operations person if you can provide your teams with the structure they're not going to read this stuff all the time yeah I, i know this but if you have something to point back to say hey look here's actually our Google Sheet with our data dictionary, and this SQO equals this, and right. it lives in the CRM, and it's populated by integrations or whatever. Um, you can point back to that, and so uh, you can start to foster this sense of like, okay, we have this is important, right? Um, and you repeat yeah. that across all your teams. Definitely. It's, I think it's super important, like for there's like the reporting aspect, because like if, like you said, if the data is wrong, then that just causes like confusion across the team and that doesn't create alignment. And I so I do think like definitions in itself or having this data ca- catalog is doing something that we all know we need, which is alignment across all the operations teams or anyone touching the data. But then the second thing is too, it also can then turn into uh you know teams being more self-serving for themselves so like yeah if they did want to go build a report then they knew what field to use they don't have to go to someone to like double check that you can just look there so i think having those definitions also like saves the team time or saves like all these like random requests that you don't really need Mm -hmm. when uh there's clear definitions already laid out that's a great point, Chrissy, and that's something, enablement is something I believe is a critical part of operations, enabling mm-hmm. and empowering your teams. And if you mm-hmm. have this framework and you have the documentation, the marketing team or the sales team doesn't need to come to you with every single reporting request. They can say, I can do this on my own. and I can save them some time and save me some time. Yeah, definitely. Great, great point. Yeah. And I think as, you know, operations people, like, it's not like our job 
we have like less work to do or like right. we're just looking for more work, you know? So, um, <laughs> right. No, um, exactly. Anytime we can minimize those like small requests that come through. And it's something that like we talk about with documentation, but data, data governance or having that like a canonical set of data with those clear definitions also just saves you time from like, having to clear up confusion, like yep. you said, or mm-hmm. you said, Oh, I would have to spend like two hours just trying to fix these things or having to talk to someone and jump mm-hmm. on a call. And those are all things that take you away from like being strategic for your organization and working yeah. on the things like actually on your roadmap. So I, I think that, uh, all of these things, like when you think about prioritizing a project that maybe doesn't have like a clear, relation to maybe the customer experience, if they're saving you time to work on important things that touches the customer experience. And this does impact the customer experience. But I think for a lot of marketing teams are like, why should I focus here? Why should I do this? I, you know, um, there, if it's, if it's saving you time in the long run, it's worth putting the effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people don't realize that we are fast and we're good at our jobs, right? we understand the data and we live in it and we live in these processes, but it still takes time to put together a report. Like I can put together a report and it might be fast, but it's still not fast. So having that um, structure for the team so that they can do self-serve, that's, that's one of the benefits. And then one of the other benefits to the operations team are as, as we build new processes and as we build new systems, automations, and as we're building new reports and thinking about that, we have a frame of reference as, as well. So I'll give mm-hmm. you another example. Um, I was doing, uh, setting up some sequences and some triggers between um, outreach and G2 and Salesforce. And I don't know, <laughs> for those of you out there who uh, map custom fields and outreach, it's not like the greatest UI. No. And no. so the labels, you like the labels don't show up in the interface. You're like, okay, what is custom property 26? I don't know. Right. That's in the data dictionary. I almost overwrote some mappings, but mm. because I had the data dictionary, I was like, wait, let me just check that really quickly. Cause I think I remember, but it's, it's documented somewhere. So let me just check. Is a mapping G2 to outreach so that maps back to Salesforce. So anyway, it saved me as an operations person as I'm, you know, building out some new automation. Right? That's another benefit of having this. Yeah, you're even helping yourself like save time. Mm-hmm. So then if you think about like the benefits of that, like, yeah, it it can have long lasting. I think any type of now we're realizing when you put any type of, you know governance even whether it be data but also like a certain process part of it is the documentation of showing like this is where we are today mm-hmm. and then and then there's like the request process uh so um let's talk about that so i let's talk about your experience i want to kind of dive in and you can pull from your i know at your last role when we spoke to you you did a lot of work there on the, like aligning the the revenue team and building out a framework, which you talked about, um, mm-hmm. or maybe even even talk through like some things you're doing uh, now at Rev Genius. But would love to hear like what the process was like before creating 
like that framework or did it happen like naturally? And then what were some of the steps that you took and like, what did that look like as far as being able to like maintain and document your current data strategy, but also when you need to put on additions. So like if you're creating new fields or any new processes that impact data. Yeah. So the, the catalyst, I guess, for me really putting my foot down and saying this is something important that we, we've got to do now is we had a, um, like a nurture sequence and uh, it was for, you know, trials, people who signed up for a trial and a lot of people were getting um, enrolled in the same sequence multiple times. And, um, so I, and I, you know, I'd get forwarded the emails. What happened here? What happened there? Why did this person get this email twice? The same email, the same, like, welcome to your free trial email, like very, wow, yeah. <laughs> very stark, like mm, what's going on internally. But think so about I, how many people <laughs> listening are like, oh, I've been in your shoes, Asia. I know. I what know. That's like. I know. And it's like, you know, we feel stuck. I'm like, okay. Cause on the one hand, I, I don't want to get the forwards from my boss like hey what's going on (laughs) yeah because that makes me sweat I'm like what did I do and then it's not a good experience for your buyer yeah right the the free trial they're like oh I already signed up for a free trial why am I getting another email this company doesn't have their proverbial you know together so yeah it's twofold um and so then I was thinking okay how can I, and I'm like looking at where free trials are coming from, like, the like are there duplicates starting to go down this audit? And then <clears throat> as I'm thinking about how can we avoid something like this in the future, it's like, well, we don't have any documentation. We have no process mm. documentation. And um, now here's why it's important so that we understand where the entry points for free trials are. Like, where are the forms for that? Does the form live in HubSpot or does it live in the platform? And if it lives in the platform, how are we syncing that data back? Like I started thinking about all of those things and I was like, okay, we need to have some sort of structure or framework around um, defining all of the data points that are important to us because you have a lot. You don't need to put every single data point into that, that data dictionary. But what you do need are the important ones, like a a free trial uh, source, like which channel, marketing channel that they come through. Um, so I proposed this and I was like, look, I will, I will do this. I will make the time to do this because it's important. Here's how it's going to impact the buyers. They are going to have a bad experience and they are not going to want to convert their free trial into a paid subscription. They're going to go to a competitor. They're be like, I, got I think that's like one price. really yeah, I think that's one really good thing. And one thing that I try and tell some marketing not people is like, if you can make the case that how this could impact the customer experience or potentially make it better, that's always going to get some executive level buy-in because mm-hmm. that's like number one, right? Like it's a, like a, even built into like people's like tenants is like the customer first, right? And the customer experience, like you said, now is such a competitive advantage because like the moment someone hits your website or starts engaging with you, there's already been like so Mm -hmm. much time of their own research and talking to people and 
looking at there are other competitors that like you need to make sure that that experience is like impeccable especially now that like outbound is just so tough you know once someone does come to you you need to make sure like that person converts yes exactly I've I've been seeing that trend outbound is it's getting rough out there and so you know we're we're relying on the marketing operations in this case be really solid um and uh so I was like, hey, here's the potential mm-hmm. dollar impact. You can you can do back um napkin math, right? It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. just if you're if you're in this situation and you're in your organization, you're like, well, how do I get this prioritized? Say, hey, um there are two hundred people that got double emailed. What was the mm-hmm. value of that? Like they could and um they could have churned and that could have been at the very minimum, whatever minimum tier pricing of your product, like, I don't know, say $500,000. I'm just throwing numbers out there. That's potential (laughs) $500,000 lost. Like, we don't want to have that, do we? So let's prioritize this project um, for the operations team because it's important and it has a revenue impact, even though you don't see it. Right. Totally. I think that's super important uh, to, like, like with anything, like make the case, like, and also think about, okay, what is like the beneficial outcome? So start from there. Like that's what we also talk about, like with our product mops is like, okay, tie an outcome to your feature. So if your outcome Mm -hmm. is really just like, um, you know, we want to improve our like free trial experience, or we want to make sure that like the conversion rate on that free trial person to a customer is, you know, a certain amount. Like you could even slot this, like working on your data governance as like something to work on because that's going to impact it. So you you can most of the time with anything like that is important, if it's, it'll likely be tied to some of the outcomes you're already tracking or the business objectives, because like data is just so important. Data rules everything in marketing, you know? Yeah, it does. (laughs) Exactly. It does. And organizations want to be more data-driven. You see these campaigns everywhere. You adore data-driven decisions and become a data-driven org. Well, how do you do that? You have to have some governance around your data because otherwise you're, like, the, your data is going to be either one, crap, or two, you won't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about the process of like actually putting together um, like a program around this and like um, especially around maintaining or maybe cleaning up the data um, and, and document it to also like with the request process, like, do you have any, and it can be even, you know, pretty rudimentary, but do you have any like kind of examples of ways to manage that? Yeah. Um, so at first it's going to start with you doing like your, your overall audit across your data points that are important to your teams um <clears throat> your automations that you have running so uh and then something that i got from um manny ortega at redis redis labs he's the director of sales ops or he's the senior director of sales ops and he has this um <clears throat> document called minimum viable record so it's like an MV- mvp but for records and it's this idea that in order to create your your like most commonly created 
objects, like a, I don't know, a deal or an opportunity, a contact, an account, a lead. There's a minimum amount of information that is necessary before you create that record. And it sounds like restrictive and maybe a little bureaucratic, but it's important because you get these records and then you get missing uh, missing information and gaps in information. Those fields can be filled out um, through enriching tools automatically or if end users are creating things like accounts, then they have to have this minimum very set of, of fields that they have to fill out in order to create the account. Otherwise, they can't create it. And that mm. that helps. So those three, having those three components, I think are key to the data governance framework in terms of, in, in like in the programming sense. And yeah. then setting up a cadence to regularly audit. This may be boring stuff for some people, even operations people, um, to like audit your, your data dictionary, audit your system catalog, your system automation catalog, and audit like our people filling out the records like they are supposed to but you have to do that regularly to see if your um if your strategy is working if your program is effective or not um so setting up a cadence to review i like quarterly is a good one it doesn't feel like it's too frequent but also it's not like once a year i think quarterly is good uh because there are so many in your typical b2b SaaS company there's like I don't know, 10 or 20 or 30 tools in your stack. You gotta, you do have to monitor that, but you don't want to spend all your time doing that. So right. the idea is that you put your framework in place, you start your data governance program, that should get you through a quarter. So then you say, mm-hmm. all right, what adjustments do I need to make at the end of this quarter? Um, and then uh, like the request process, or at least how I view it, it does have an impact on like the data because what happens is, how many of us have been asked for a new field right. in, in the marketing automation platform or, or the CRM or somewhere? And it's like, okay, do we actually need that field? What about the fields that we have? How can we repurpose those? Or maybe the answer is in there and people aren't using it. So that you know, can t- also tell you, you, be prescriptive. How can we help our teams more? Because we have this information. What do we need to do additionally around enablement for them? Right. Mm-hmm. You don't need to give them the entire data dictionary. Maybe it's they've got a couple of one pagers with some screenshots and it's like, here are the fields to use to track these things. Mm-hmm. So it's not overwhelming yeah. for for the end user or for your go to market teams. Totally. That's super important. We talk about that a lot, too, is just thinking about your internal users. And I think that like you do. this is important too. Like as you deliver this project, there's like products (laughs) that Mm -hmm. your end users, like your internal users are going to be using. And some of that is that like documentation. It doesn't need to be, you know, there's two types of documentation. There's like technical and that's Mm -hmm. something that your ops teams are going to like be comfortable using and referencing. But then for a non-technical person, maybe someone on the sales side or um, even a marketer like in demand gen or something like that, they might have a different way that they need to view that data. So it's super important because a lot of times we just go, why isn't anyone using this? Or why doesn't anyone get this? And it's like, well, don't just like think outward, like think inward. Like what is it something that you're doing like with delivering that data that might be doing that? Yeah. 
when we are living this, it's, it's sometimes we forget that, you know, the person on the other side using the systems or reading the reports don't see what we see. They, right. right. So we have to be cognizant of that. I've been guilty of that too. I'm like, oh man, this is so easy. Like this looks so good. Why aren't they using this dashboard? And then I realize like, they don't think the same way that I do necessarily. So you gotta take a couple of screenshots and break down each component and say, this is what the component tells you. This lead source, uh, this new leads by source tells you this. If you see this lead source, it means this. Right here are the definitions of where they come from. So it, it can feel like that's not important, but it is. Like it can feel like ops teams, oh, I, documentation's not important. I've been told by my leadership teams that that shouldn't be prioritized. The documentation's not important, but time and time again, things come up where it's like, if we had a one pager for this, people, you just guide them to that, right? People yeah. aren't using the dashboard. Well, how many times can I verbally tell them? I can drop yeah. them a Slack though. Here's a whatever, wherever your knowledge base is. It could be a Google a Word doc, a Google doc. But here's the, the one pager for the dashboard. Here is that. So go ahead and use it. Versus you having to get on a call with them every time and explain, okay, here's what this means. Here's what this means. Here's what this means. It will also <laughs> eliminate your, uh, hopefully over time, this won't, impact won't be immediate, but uh, your bug requests. Because people say, yeah. hey, this is broken, but it's not actually broken. It's just that this is how this was designed. And um, yeah, you have to like put this this value in for you to be able to move your stage. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that, um, yeah, just breaking it down. And like you said, like, yeah, there might be times where people will, and I, even we do this, like sometimes, like even with our customers, like they're limited on hours, like they want to skip parts of the process. And like mm -hmm. every time we do, mm -hmm. the parts that do get skipped is like part of the documentation yeah. or, you know, taking our QA and testing to a smaller mm -hmm. group. And I think it's like, okay, having be strong and confident knowing, okay, actually, no, we need to make the time for this. Or like, okay, we're not going to make the time for that, but this is what you're, what's going to happen later. And it's, yes. it's going to come, it's going to catch it up to you. It always comes back. Always. Yeah. No matter how big or small your organization, like we're working on some projects now internally, and I wasn't able to be a part of some um, new systems we rolled out to track some, some things. I was like, we need to test this. We need to test this. And we didn't test it before rolling it out. And now... I cannot track data that I need that's very important that feeds into a forecast. So I'm mm -hmm. having to click through three different systems, go in, search for the people, cross check. And I'm like, okay, that's not even living where I'm doing my reporting in the CRM. So had we tested, we would have known, okay, maybe we need to choose a different system or maybe we need to make sure that this integration between these two systems is solid and if it can't be done we'd have to we have to think about something else because um tracking something that has a revenue impact is very important totally and yeah uh, now i'm trying to rethink how to configure this when we have a product that's already live so always wow. uat always is very important documentation is always is really important and it always comes back 
sometimes sooner than other times. Like, this yeah. is pretty immediate. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> love my yeah. team. I love them. Um, and I just remind them, I'm like, hey, this is why you hired me, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. that's, that's right. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That happens. To- it's always the ops person that gets pulled in late, and you're like, "Yeah, why did I get pulled in late to this?" You yeah, know, I could have helped. I could have helped. Um, I <laughs> but was, uh... creating these processes, like you're talking about, where if you if you're building a framework and you're kind of taking the time and and it's a cross functional thing, and and you do a lot of the selling on it, it actually just be like you get pulled in earlier because people know, okay, this is part of the process. In order for me to do this, I need to talk to this person. And and that doesn't happen overnight. Like, like what we talked about, but it does, it is, you know, it it can create that process where it, you know, it doesn't happen too late or Mm -hmm. you do, you do let people know because they know, okay, you know, Asia is responsible for this. If I want to do this, I need to request this from her. So let me start talking to her earlier. Yeah, the request process too. Like when people hear, I feel like when people hear process, they get scared. They're like, oh no, this is going to slow me down. I'm not going to be able to do right. my job. It is the other way around. But um, like culture change takes a while, like you're saying. Yeah. Change management, that whole, that exists for a reason. And sometimes we as operations people have to be a little bit more patient. Like I um, am guilty of this. I have to be more patient of the, the end user or the people that I'm serving right because I know change is hard even for me change is hard and so Mm -hmm. just coming to that with a little bit of empathy like they don't it's it's hard for them to adjust to a new process or like they think this is going to slow them down a request form is going to slow them down it's not though because you go back and forth between the email chain and you're like what do you actually need and I don't have the requirements and well, actually, it's just prioritized against other objectives, right? You can get that all in one shot in a form, but you have to like groom people a little bit to yes. get there. Um, but it's like with like any like if you think about it as a user, mm-hmm. like you, there needs to be different points of like a process or escalation process before yeah. it re- maybe even requires. A, yeah. a human so like if you're putting through a form you have mm-hmm. documentation there mm-hmm. you can even use questions to filter out like some of the questions that you could draft could even weed out some requests because it can be like are you requesting this and if they choose a certain one then you can say okay go look at this documentation yeah, you know exactly um so exactly. similar to like a drift bot or something where you right. can like use questions to weed out the right prospects. You can do that with some of your process request um, forms yeah. too. Yeah, I agree. We saw a couple companies ago, We um, I worked on a business operations team. So the business operations team supported the whole organization, um, but we had a heavy like sales ops um, focus because we had a large sales team and the team turned over and had new people. And so they had a lot of questions. And so we were like, okay, how can we, when someone asks a question and it's like a certain type of question, how can we prompt them with an article? Like same like a support, like a support bot, right? Like an internal support bot. And um, we we went through that exercise and uh, the current team I'm on now is, is small, but we, you know, we want to grow and did 
ultimately doesn't matter the size of your organization. No. You can save yourself time by doing this and also help your um, end users and and uh, the people in- internally, then got to do it. If anything, I always say doing this stuff early, the better, because like yes. once you wait until you're big enough, yes. it's just so much harder to do. So much. There's so much time. There's so much tech debt. Like there's so yeah. much like processes. Like, but if you like get into this process of like going and reviewing, setting the, the data yeah. standards, like it just makes like growing into it so much easier. So I agree Absolutely. with you. Like, doesn't matter if you're small or if you're a big company, if you're a growing company. And also if you're a small team, it's likely you're a one person team. Yeah. So having this process too, is just easier because like we said, it can be, you know, preventing, you know, saving you time, deflecting questions, deflecting mm-hmm. things that are distracting you, which will then help you as a one person. Uh, team, yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. You got to empower yourself too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the final thing um, I wanted to chat through was just around um, like tools. Like, do you have any, and it doesn't even need to be like SaaS tools or anything, but like, do you, are there any like tools for your uh, data governance or catalog or management of data or even um, like documentation that you like really like to use that have been useful for you yeah or even ones yeah. that you haven't used but you feel like could be useful <laughs> oh my gosh yes uh, so I love my tools I think we do in operations we have our favorites right um, and I would say like to get started to don't be afraid to use the G Suite like my right. data dictionary was built in a Google Sheet and yes. that's fine. That suffices. Um, the system automation catalog in a Google Sheet and the MVP, the the minimum viable record. So that you can put in a Google Doc. I had it in there at one at one at one point. Um, the tool that I think is the hands down the coolest tool for documentation is called Guru. Don't know if yeah. you're familiar with it. We use we just launched Guru not oh, too long ago, amazing. and I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned it because it is great for documentation, but also it can be hooked up to Slack. So if you're searching for something, it can yep. search Guru, and so I, that's a great way to do some of that like uh, deflection or case deflection, question yes. deflection. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! So the user interface is really nice. Yeah, you can create, and they call them cards, but you create your documentation really easily. And the Chrome extension, the Chrome extension is probably the thing that I like geeked out over the most because um, if you're not in Slack, like if you're in your browser and you're, say you're in sales, because sales teams have a lot of questions and that's not a bad thing. Um, Pop open your extension, right? And search for what you need. You don't ever have to go in to Guru to search for anything. You can search for whatever like if there's a dispute over a account that's in someone else's territory and they're like, well, actually, uh, this is a named account. And you go to Guru say, hey, pull up the card, check it out. Here is the one, two, three steps of named account rules of engagement. And then close it when you're done. It never, like, I don't know. So to me, that's really 
enabling your team. Like, look how easy it is to get this information. So easy. It's not a Google Doc. You don't just search through Google Drive, all of that stuff. It's just there. So I really like that tool. We're not using it currently, but um, I have before. And that's a very good one for documentation. And because it's so easy to use, will help with adoption. Yeah, it's um, in their workflow because you're thinking about, okay, what's something that yes, can be within their workflow? Exactly. And that's always going to have way better adoption than say like, hey, go uh, go log yes. into this. Um, and they're like, wait, no, I'm in Salesforce or I'm in LinkedIn. I need, right. you know, so that Google Chrome extension is great because they don't have to leave Salesforce. They don't have to leave exactly. LinkedIn. They can have those up and then just pull up the guru, yep. you know, card. So. Yep, exactly that. And then there's one tool that I would have loved to use. Right now, we're not using Salesforce, so we can't use it, but it's called Sonar. Sonar? And it actually, um, the idea, because I haven't used it, but I would love to, the idea is that it tracks all of your um, business process automation in Salesforce. So if you're going to make a change somewhere, it will tell you where the impact is going to happen. And that is done manually, right? Or I have historically done this manually. Like, oh, I look at my system automation catalog and I'm like, okay, in HubSpot, there's this, these workflows in Salesforce, there's these process builders and these flows and outreachers these triggers and which ones are connected to which ones if we make a change but with that tool it sounds like you can do it in the tool and it will automatically tell you that will save operations teams a lot of time a lot of time yeah yeah Um, definitely like figuring out where like where something's used within like processes is um is super tricky i was talking about it to a client the other day and that um, like you can use like the, where's this use button on like a field, but even then you miss out on certain, certain places mm-hmm. as well, or it's not very clear. So, yeah. um, ha- I think, yeah, that's a, a great tool to check out. Actually, we've been meaning to have Brad Smith, um, who's the CEO of Sonar yeah. on this podcast. I think you hope we're trying to get it rescheduled, but, um, so. Yeah, excited to have him on talk about that. But but yeah, I I agree with you. Like there and there's a lot when it comes to like the definitions and documentations that you can do. And if you are limited, like start simple, like what Asia said, like start with like a G sheet, you know, do some analysis. There's there's things like you know, running a field trip and you can see like what percentage of fields are populated in Salesforce and Um, there's also tools like field pro, which you can add on through the app exchange and you can see, and also add in, you know, definitions to fields, but see where they're referenced and the percent populated as well, right within, uh, Mm -hmm. Salesforce. So there's, there's a lot of great things that you can maybe be a bit scrappy with to start and then think about, okay, what, how do I build like a process or framework? And like, I think having that tool of like a documentation, if the, it's, it's more around like not so much, um, maybe you have the way your data is being populated nailed down, but if it's more like documenting it and trying to let the end users know, you know, maybe you focus on a tool for that, like looking at guru. So, um, I love that. I love those ideas. Um, we could go on all day. <laughs> I know. I know. This is one of my favorite topics. I know it's like the boring, unsexy part of operations, but it it is so important. And the more that I can like evangelize this, the better. Because you know, it's enabling us, our profession, and then it's also 
enabling and empowering those revenue teams to go bring in revenue. That's what they're yeah. supposed to do. So. I think that it's getting its day. I think I think people yeah. are realizing that data is sexy because like when, you know, it's, there's nothing sexier to a, a leader if they see an awesome dashboard that they know like all their team is right. aligned on right. and they're making smart yep. decisions and like it's a, it's amazing. Uh, and then also when your teams feel like they can be empowered, like, and how mm-hmm. happy they are, like, that's amazing too. So I, yeah. I do think it's starting to get its, uh, its moment now that we have more and more people talking about it, but also because everyone's experiencing pain, like the longer yeah. we're in these jobs and in these companies and it's too late, that's when you realize you need to do something. So, yeah, um, agree. but yeah. Thank you so much, Asia, for joining today. It was amazing. We're, I feel like we're going to need even more follow-up on, on <laughs> part <three. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, thanks for fitting us into your day. And then for, for everyone who wants to connect with Asia, she's you know very active on LinkedIn. Just search Asia Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, um, yep. on LinkedIn. And she works for Rev Genius. And if you aren't part of Rev Genius, um, definitely go and join. They have a lot of great content and events and um, a very active community there. Um, and so um, encourage you all to check that out. Um, and we'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking. Have a good one. Bye.